At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This is hour number three of the Nightcap coming to you from the VEASAN studios here at the Circle Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Femi Bebefe, Wes Reynolds in for Tim and Sean. And to start off hour number three, we had to do this in the big way. Mm -hmm. Talking during the break, I haven't talked to this gentleman in quite some time, but I'm absolutely thrilled to have him on the show here this evening. He is the odds maker over at the South Point Hotel and Casino, none other than one Chris Andrews. Chris, we appreciate you joining us here tonight. Let's start on the ice with game one of the Stanley Cup final there. Colorado defeats Tampa Bay 4-3 in overtime. So the abs and the over come home for betters. How'd you guys make out? Yeah, we did okay. Uh, you know, we could have used the under for sure. But uh, one goal one goal by the abs and under would have been perfect. But abs by one and over was the next best scenario. So it wasn't bad. Everything was uh, pretty good. And we need the abs for the series. So, uh, you know, so far, so good. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was a great game. And I've said from the beginning, I think it's going to be a fantastic series. And they did not let me down at game one. Well, you said that you need the abs for the series. I'm looking at the series price right now. Abs minus 285, Lightning plus 240. Did you get any sharp action before this, leaning toward one side prior to game one? Well, yeah, because, I mean, you know, the way the futures were – I took a big bet. I'm trying to think where where Tampa was at the time, uh, but I took a pretty big bet on them in the future. But, but going into like the two final series, the semifinals, I should say, uh, we were in great shape with both those teams, and I really liked them both from the beginning of the year. But somebody came in, he wanted a big bet on Tampa Bay, and you know, listen, we had the right price, and uh, you know, we gave him a pretty good whack. So that kind of tilted it. So once this series was set. Uh, you know, I slanted it, so I was looking for I was looking for some abs money. I didn't need any more Tampa Bay money, so we we got a little bit of play on the abs. But nonetheless, uh, we're going in here needing the Avalanche, and uh, you know I've liked them from the beginning of the year. But you know I'm certainly not the only one, uh, and uh, that that's still going to be the best scenario for us. But we'll put that back up in the morning. I was thinking three dollars myself, but 
you know, we'll see what it comes out. Uh, I can't argue too much with 285. That's pretty close. Chris, you're up with game two at the South Point, minus 155 on Colorado, plus 135 to take back on the Bolts yeah. here. Basically what they closed uh, by and large market-wide or at least market average for game one. Do you anticipate that you're going to get a little lightning money here for game two, even though Colorado seemed to dominate the pace of the play? Tampa Bay didn't panic when they got down 3-1, to one, came back, and at least got it to overtime. So do you expect our betters down there at the South Point going to go zigzag here with the lightning here in game two, you think? You know, Wes, I wouldn't, mind, I wouldn't blame them if they do. I mean, you kind of nailed it there. I mean, they looked like they could have packed up and gone home. But, you know, uh, to quote uh, Rudy Tomjanovich, you never want to question the heart of a champion. And they're a two-time champion. They still got a core of that team left. And, you know, Vasilevsky, you know, I mean, if he's not the best goaltender in the league, he's certainly right up there. That's a big advantage for uh, Tampa in this series. Uh, he was a little shaky at the start, though, no doubt about it. But, you know, I, I think there's a good chance Tampa Bay comes back. I mean, listen, you know the way these things are. If you could get a split uh, as a visiting team to those first two, uh, you've really done your job. So, yeah, I think the money will show on Tampa a little bit. I could see why. Uh, but we'll probably, you know, we'll probably need the abs again for a little bit. And, you know, listen, uh, like I said, I don't feel like bailing on them now. I've been on it from the beginning of the year. We're speaking with Chris Andrews, odds maker over at the South Point Hotel and Casino. Chris, tomorrow night, game six of the NBA Finals. The Warriors have a 3-2 series lead. But over at the South Point, you guys have Celtics four-point favorites. Total of 210. What are you guys seeing behind the window here with game six coming up tomorrow night in the NBA Finals? Yeah, I mean, it's money on the Warriors. Um, I'm not quite ready to go to three and a half yet, but I have a feeling I'm going to get there. You know, the money line has been kind of plunging all day. Uh, where were we when we started? I think it was... I think it was a dollar seventy-five. Yeah, at the start today, uh, we're down to a dollar sixty-five. You know, they just kind of walked me down. Uh, you know, got a little bit of money on. Uh, you know, got the prop up. You know, of course, Warriors to win uh, in six games exactly, and the Warriors to win tomorrow night. I mean, it's the same prop. Uh, so we got we got some play on that too. So you know, we're just trying to balance it all out. But right now, it looks like the money's going to show on the Warriors. Certainly looks that way. And uh, I'm looking at my screen here. Yeah, Circa's at three and a half. We're still at four. I have a feeling we'll get to three and a half eventually, probably tomorrow sometime. Chris, on the total, we've seen the last two games go to the under. The opener, 211 and a half. You guys at South Point are at 210. Pretty much market-wide, I'm seeing mostly 210 out there. Do you anticipate more under money here? Because sometimes we see in an elimination game, I think betters like to bet the under, and then you see overs come in. I think uh, seven out of the last ten times in game sixes in the NBA Finals, the total has actually gone over. So do you anticipate some more under money before tomorrow night? Yeah, and you know I'm looking at the parlays and everything, and most of the money is on the under, you know. But I, I think two ten is a pretty good number. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, right now, I'm not really going to move. I don't think until I get a bet. But I have a feeling the money is going to come in on the under because right now I even see the public coming in on it. Uh, but you said seven out of ten. Um, you know what? Sometimes that means seven out of eleven when you say that. So, you know, I mean, it's no, it's no slam dunk that it's going to go under, but, uh, like I said, or over, I mean, but it's, uh, it's a, like I said, it's a, it's a good number and we'll see where the public wants to take us with it. 
Chris, we were talking early in the show about how this is a monster sports week, potentially in NBA Game 7, NBA Finals on Sunday. The U.S. Open over at Brookline tees off tomorrow morning. What kind of handle is the U.S. Open drawing for you guys here as we're about to tee off in uh, less than 10 hours? Well, you know, it's good, but, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm a little disappointed in it. Uh, I think all the... uh, uh, all the noise about the live and all that other stuff, I think it's kind of you know taken away some of the steam because usually we get to the U S open and listen, I, I, I love, I, I hate to say I love any one major over the others. I mean, a master's kind of in a, in a slot of its own, but you know, I love the U S open. I did, you know, like I was talking to a friend of mine last night, cause I'd love to see somebody win it with like four over par for a final <laughs> score, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's what I love about the U.S. Open. It makes us all feel like, oh, geez, they're as bad as I am with some right. of course, you know, I'm not going to get out of the uh, out of the marsh like they do. But, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it really kind of humbles these guys a little bit. And, uh, you know, like I said, I don't know if four over is probably not going to win. It probably need to be right around par. But, uh, you know, I, I, that's what I love about the Open. These guys, just you know, the greatest golfers in the world just seem to be on, in trouble on almost every hole. So, but, you know, you asked me about the handle. Yeah, I'm just kind of disappointed in it. Right now, probably like half of what the Masters was. And I know the Masters, like I said, they're in a class by itself. But, you know, I'm kind of disappointed in this handle. It just, you know, doesn't seem like a lot of excitement going into this one. We don't have a huge favorite, although Roy McElroy's certainly got a lot of money on him in our store. Uh, but, um, you know, I don't know. Just the buzz isn't quite there for me in this one. Yeah, it, and it's actually my favorite major, too, because I, I like the carnage. I embrace it because it makes these guys yeah. look like mortals a little bit. So, you know, might not get four over. Might be four under, though, and that's not a you know a very low score necessarily here, being back at the U.S. Open kind of on a shorter golf course, a more traditional Northeast course. But, Chris, you mentioned Rory McIlroy. Who else is at least drawing some attention on the tickets? Uh, you know, Scotty Scheffler has some money on him. Uh, Jordan Spieth, um, Xander Shoffley has some decent money. Boy, we've got a few guys here. Brooks Kepka, we took a pretty good whack on him today. Uh, Justin Thomas has some money on him. So we got, we got a bunch of guys going for us. We've got a bunch of guys we're going to have to avoid. And, you know, we'll see what happens after the first round. We'll, we'll put the things up again and, and see kind of where it goes for us. But, yeah, I got a few guys going for me that I think are certainly in the hunt. You know, John Rom, um, guy who else? Uh, there's a couple guys. You know, Speed actually isn't that bad for us. Cantlay's okay. Victor Hovland, Hideki Matsuyama. So we got a few guys. I got, you know, I could read you the whole list here. Most of the guys are, you know, putting me in pretty good shape. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it all comes out. The action's been you know, fairly even. It's just not as big as I wish it would have been as it has been in past years. Chris, we got about 90 seconds left, and I'm a football guy, so I got to squeeze in an NFL question here. Uh, Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing my job. Um, The Deshaun Watson situation here, every week we get more and more information about this, and it looks more and more like he's going to be suspended. We don't know how long or when the suspension will start. How are you guys behind the window kind of handling this thing with the potential that Watson might not play early in the season or might not play at all for the Cleveland Browns? Well, I hate to do it, but I did take them off the board for game one and for my season win totals. You know, I just, I don't see how they could let them play at this point. 
Uh, you got Jacoby Prezet, who I think is an okay backup, but he, I mean, he's certainly not in the category of Watson. I mean, Watson was certainly among the, the league's elite quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Brissett is just a stopgap. Um, you know, we still don't know what's going to happen with Baker Mayfield. I don't think he's going to be in a Browns uniform. That would shock the hell out of me. Uh, but I think right now, just the drop off between Watson and Brissett, you know, I took some money week one. Uh, who they playing? Uh, Carolina plus the three and a half. And you know, I had some money on the under. I said, you know, I, I don't know. This looks a little shaky, you know. And here we are. I mean, it's still June, and we're still three months away from the first game. So I just scratched it for now, and kind of want to see what happens. But I'd be shocked if they just let them play a normal season. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, betters and bookmakers alike trying to figure mm-hmm. this whole thing out here with Deshaun Watson seemingly seemingly a. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Moving target here from a betting standpoint, but he is Chris Andrews, odds maker over at the South Point. Chris, we wish you all the best here. It was good chatting with you. It had been a while, and uh, have a good night. Yeah, great talking to you guys, too. Talk to you again soon, I hope. Bye-bye. It's interesting. The handle is a little down on the U.S. Open. Yeah, and I think to Chris's point with the, the live, you know, yeah. maybe that's turned some people off, but... uh one thing uh, that we're going to update here on the other side, we are on no-hitter alert at we Chavez are. Ravine, Femi. We are. We will talk about that Angels-Dodgers update next. And also, U.S. Open with my guy Wes Reynolds next here on the night. This is the Nightcap on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local team, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCast designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCast in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Nightcap coming to you from the Circle Resort and Casino. Femi Bebefe alongside Wes Reynolds. Wes, you teased it before we went to break. A potential. No, no. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I hope I don't disappoint the audience. It is Tyler Anderson, by the way, now through <laughs> six and a third. Uh, I think uh, just looking at his uh, pitch count, he was at 87 to start the inning. So I believe he is now at about 90 pitches. Uh, Tyler Anderson's made nine starts this year. He's only gone past uh, through seven innings twice, uh, went eight innings earlier in the year against Washington. So 
we know Dave Roberts, you know, doesn't realize, hey, we got a show here to do, fella. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Give go ahead content. and extend him because, and, and oh, by the way, and actually that is going to survive. That's going to hook foul because it looked like Matt Duffy might have parked one there. But nevertheless, we know that Clayton Kershaw, I think he had 80 pitches. Uh, well, was it through six or seven, if I recall? It was at Minnesota where I believe he had a perfect game going. Dave Roberts elected to go ahead and rest him and pull him. Now, Tyler Anderson, a younger guy, so maybe has at least a little bit longer of a leash here if he wants to do that. And now two away, Duffy flies out to Mookie Betts in right field. So Tyler Anderson perhaps going to be at 100 pitches through seven innings. So how long does he elect to stand that or extend that? But nevertheless, we do have a no-hitter. Dodgers, by the way, up four to nothing. All their runs coming via the home run. Will Smith with the three-run dong there in the bottom of the first, and then Trey Turner with a solo shot in the third. That's all the scoring we have at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, Dodgers right now minus 4,000 over at DraftKings on the live line. The Angels 14-1 to if you think they can rally back and come back and win this game here. Um, we'll keep our eyes on the no-no brewing in L.A. right now. Like we mentioned, Anderson up to 94 pitches here in the top of the seven, six, and two-thirds no-hitter. But Wes, I've really been excited about this all day long. Wanted to ask you about it. For those who are the uninitiated, and if you haven't listened to it just yet, the Long Shots podcast here at VEASAN is absolutely fantastic work for our whole crew here. Wes is a part of that. Oh, oh looks like. Yeah, Ty- Tyler Anderson. <laughs> right in the yeah, he, 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 he killed some worms with that throw. He did a little turnaround to try to get Jared Walsh at first, and he Ugh. threw it right into the ground. Uh, so, um uh, yeah, that yeah. Let's see if that yeah. is going to be scored an error. As a matter of fact, because they're going to give our guy an error. Because Walsh hits it right up just inside the first baseline. There's Anderson. Oh. Plenty of time to make the play if he if he can make the proper throw. I mean, you know, he had to be a little quick, but but if you got yeah. a no no, that pressure starts to kind of yeah. Burn. He he went right in the dirt there. So let's uh let, we will uh see if that is in fact going yeah, we'll to be see, scored an see, error. See what they say. before we we go ahead and do that. But yeah, he killed worms there, and then uh, we see uh. They're on the phone to the bullpen, at least. There was a phone call. It uh, is an error. It is an error, so the no-hitter is still alive, by the way. alive, baby. But, gosh, I mean, if he's going to convert this, you would think he's going to get in the 120-some pitch mark if he can extend this. So uh, I don't see Dave Roberts just based on the pattern leaving him in for the duration, and we see Evan Phillips already warming up in the bullpen. Just one out here in the seventh inning, or two outs, rather. Maybe they get a team no-hitter, you know? Yeah. Three, that's three, that's just so pitchers. less special, it though. Is, yeah, I think Seattle Mariners had one of like eight pitchers one time. Yes, uh, <laughs> but I digress. Yeah. And and maybe got maybe got maybe got a friendly score there yes, by, by the home. Uh, hometown score at Chavez Ravine. He's uh, at a, so he's pitching to contact now. So yeah, he busted at any time. Yeah, so. absolutely. He's not really uh, striking out or missing many guys. He has six strikeouts at least on the night. Has the walk and then hit uh, Walsh there and then also allowed him to reach on the air. So Tyler Anderson. Uh, Trying to see how long he can extend this, but I got a feeling uh, they're just going to try to get him through seven, and then he's going to be done for the evening. He's one strike away from uh, closing this inning out here. So, it, I mean, no hitter through seven, that's still a pretty good accomplishment there. No, quality, quality start. Quality start. Quality start. Quality start is what the kids will call it there. As, uh, yep, he is through seven with the no-no intact, but mm-hmm. we'll see if he comes back. But I believe, I believe 99 pitches is where he is uh, through the yeah. seven. So go to the bottom of the seventh at Dodger Stadium, 4 nothing Doyers. Back to the U.S. Open, though, as we were talking about. And like I mentioned, if you haven't checked out the Long Shots podcast, it is absolutely fantastic for everything you might need 
from a golf betting You got analysis. about six and a half hours because the first tee time, 6.45 Eastern, 3.45 here on the West Coast. Might need to go one and a half speed. Yes. 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 But, Wes, you're one-third of that podcast is you, Brady Cannon, Matt Eumann. You guys have been fantastic. Crushing outrights all season long here. Um, so let's talk U.S. Open, the 122nd United States Open over at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. The favorite is Rory McIlroy over at 10 to 1 at DraftKings. You see Justin Thomas, the PGA Championship winner, 11 to 1. John Rahm, the defending U.S. Open champion, at 13 to 1. Scotty Scheffler, the Masters champion, at 14 to 1. Those are your four kind of favorites. And then a little bit of a drop off mm-hmm. to Xander and Cantlay, Cam Smith, Zalatoris, the guys that people like to bet on as the maybe mid range right. shots. But when you look at the top of the board or even the mid range guys, anybody that really jumps out to you as a potential champion comes Sunday. Yeah, before I get into that, let's do a little quick breakdown of the course. Oh, uh, we, are, we, are, we, we are back at the Country Club in Brookline, just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. So par 70, 7,264 yards, not. The longest U.S. Open course, actually, in fact, a lot shorter than the ones we've seen the last two years, Wingfoot and then out in San Diego at Torrey Pines last year. So a little bit more of a shot maker's course. Uh, the, the fairways are relatively generous for a U.S. Open. I mean, they're not totally tight, but you got the U.S. Open rough, three and a half inches or so. But it's really the greens that might give these guys problems. These are fast greens. They roll about 12 and a half on the stint meter so. You're going to see some good shots that maybe don't get rewarded that may roll off the green a little bit. Gil Hans, by the way, did the uh, redesign or the renovation on this uh, back in about 2009. Remember, he did the Southern Hills Mm -hmm. renovation that got rave reviews for the PGA last month, won by Justin Thomas. So this was one of the original courses that were founded uh, in terms of the USGA. It's one of the oldest country clubs in the United States, one of the five charter clubs that were founded uh, in the USGA in 1894. So if you ever see the movie, greatest game ever played that is based on the uh or the u.s open here in 1913 that uh the amateur francis we met beat harry varden ted ray in a playoff so we got some historical context at least there first time the u.s open's been here since 1988 that was curtis strange over nick faldo in the playoffs so you look at the top of the board and we talked with chris andrews no surprise rory's getting support No surprise necessarily Justin Thomas, who won the last major championship at the PGA, cashed a 17-to-1 ticket for us, is getting support. Scotty Scheffler, of course, number one in the world. But of those four at the top of the board, I like the number two player in the world who is the defending U.S. Open champion. I hit him last year at a little bit less odds than he is now, and that is John Rahm. Now, he's not quite in the peak form that he was leading up to San Diego last year. He's got to win this year, but it was against a weaker field down in Mexico at that uh, VR, or Vedanta Viarta uh, resort that they have down there. But Puerto Vallarta is always beautiful. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he certainly won down there, and obviously the Spaniard loving the women in, in Mexico, but it's been a down year, I think, by his standards in terms of his short game. 96 in this field for strokes gained around the green last 36 rounds, and strokes gained around the green is usually your scrambling, your chipping, short pitches, uh, but these POA greens, and it's going to be 70% POA, 30% bent grass, and that was about the same mix it was at Torrey Pines last year when he made those birdies on 17 and 18 to break the heart of Louis Ustase in at last year's U.S. Open. These are the greens where he putts best, but really when you look at Rom, his bread and butter is off the tee. He's arguably the best driver of the golf ball in the world. First in total driving, that's driving distance plus driving accuracy ranking. First in strokes gained off the tee, so hit it long, hit it as straight as you can, and that's what John Rom does better than anybody in the world. So of the chalky guys, he would be the one I would prefer. 
It's interesting because the U.S. Open, and I always think about winged foot when Bryson was just kind of bombing and gouging yeah. a little bit there. Yeah. Do you think that this is set up in a similar way, or is accuracy really going to be a premium at Brooklyn? I think it's a laddered, but to be fair, I didn't think somebody was going to bomb and gouge winged foot either, and Bryson DeChambeau certainly yeah. proved us all wrong back in 2020. Rom did a little bit of that as well and then won it with his putter down the stretch, but yeah, I do think you have to be a little bit more accurate here. I think this is going to be a second-shot golf course. There are a lot of shots. There are a couple blind tee shots, and then there are some blind approaches uh, to these elevated greens, and that's what's going to be difficult. So strokes gain approach, and I say that pretty much for every PGA Tour event or every major or what have you, your iron play is going to be absolutely crucial, and you're going to have to scramble here, and this is the U.S. Open. Pars are good. Yeah. At the U.S. Open. Oh, bogeys so, are good. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You're going to have to save bogey, and you're going to have to save par. You can't get those big numbers here. You can never win the U.S. Open on the first day, but you can certainly lose it on the first day. So that's what you're going to want to look forward to. But uh, John Rahm heads the top of the card, and I got a few more kind of in that mid-price range. You never want to go, I think, really too far. I know we all want to hit that long shot, but if yeah. you really look at the trends here uh, – you look up with the world golf ranking. I think the last 11 U.S. Open winners were ranked top 30 in the official world golf rankings, 12 of the last 14, eight of the last 11, by the way, top 15 in the world. Yeah, I think the, the longest odds on my outright card right now is 60 to 1. Mm -hmm. We'll break that down on the other side here. Some of the guys that we like, some longer shots down the board because I'm absolutely fired up. We're teeing off in less than about eight hours for the U.S. Open over at the Country Club. We'll continue the discussion next here on the night. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The third major of the golf season is here, and you can get in on the action with the Doers Major Championship Challenge. Draft in two free fantasy golf contests, one classic and one round four showdown and compete for your share of $10,000 in total prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash doers now to play free. And we hope, by the way, that Derek Stevens and Darren Banks and Big Balls and the whole crew, when they join us here on the Nightcap on Friday night, maybe bring some doer samples. That would be <laughs> nice. We're putting in that request. We'll see if they are. Yeah, it. we'll see if we can get that cleared with HR. Um, and all that stuff, right. but we'll see if maybe right. we can get some Right, right, right. Don't, don't tell Bill 80 or anything. <laughs> yeah. He might. Hopefully he's not listening. Yeah, doers on the rocks, please, or please not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no thank you, I should say. Uh, well, let's continue with our discussion with the U.S. Open, though, because tomorrow it's thing gets underway. I'm absolutely fired up for it uh, over at the Country Club at Brookline, Massachusetts here. And we were talking about how this is a tournament that is not really won by long shots. You right. really have to have some pedigree. Well, there's a guy that has a lot of pedigree when it comes to U.S. Opens that is kind of seen as a little bit of a long shot right now. Brooks Kepka mm -hmm. here at the Circa, last I checked, is around 62-1. to 1. He is a two-time U.S. Open champion, has played pretty well at this tournament. At some point, Wes, Brooks starts to become attractive. I know he hasn't played that well this year, but 62-1 to 1 for a guy who's won two U.S. Opens and four majors already – it's it's a little attractive to me. Yeah, I understand why. And look, he is the two-time U.S. Open champion. Won at Aaron Hills at forty-five to one back in twenty seventeen. Won when I had him in twenty eighteen at one over par, uh, beating Tommy Fleetwood by a shot. He was twenty-five to one. But if you look, Brooks Kepka, 
he just has not been in, in really in good form, and he hasn't been playing a lot. I know, you know, leading up to Augusta for the Masters back in April, he was like, eh, it's the first time I've been healthy in three or four years, so everybody bought in, and what did he do? He missed the cut, actually. Yeah. The last two events he's played, he missed the cut at the Masters. He was T55 at the PGA, so that leads me to think he might not be totally healthy, and that's why you've seen a little bit of a drift, I think, right here behind us at Circus Sports to 62-1. to one. I'm sure he's getting some tickets because he yeah. always gets tickets from like the casual betters. Yeah, I know our popular. I know our colleague Dave Ross is like, mm-hmm. "Hey, this is the time to come in on Brooks." But, you know, I don't know. Uh he's been, you know, hit or miss this year. I uh, was T3 at Phoenix, but he won Phoenix the year before, and that's a flat course that was easier on his knee and whatnot. Uh T5 at the match play reached the quarterfinals, but those are his only top fives this year, and he just really has not played a lot of golf. I know he got a little churlish, I would say, with the uh, press corps the other day because yes. we know what the big topic in golf has been. It has been live golf, and he was, you know, I understood his frustration in terms of, hey, we got our national championship. We got a major championship here, for God's sakes, mm-hmm. and you're asking me about this. So I don't know if it was he doth protest too much, but He's got to also know, of course, they're going to ask you about that because they know that, you know, kind of the guy that you're always compared to, your frenemy, if you will, Dustin Johnson, he has already obviously renounced his PGA Tour membership and is playing primarily on that tour because he wants to play less golf. So I did not bet Brooks Kepka this week. I know he's always dangerous, but this might be a guy I would wait to see if he's okay after round one, if he's even par, maybe even like one over. But, you know, obviously if he goes out and shoots like 75 or 76, then, then you were right to pass on him. To me, it almost reminds me of the PGA Championship last year when Phil, Phil Mickelson won it. Brooks, mm-hmm. I bet him at about 50-1 to 1 mm-hmm. heading into that PGA Championship because everybody's like, okay, Brooks, is he, is he right? Yeah. What's going on? I'm like, I can get Brooks Kepka at 51. But, but he, had, he had a lot better form last year, yeah, to that, be fair. Yeah, that, that is to be fair because he ended up finishing second there. He imploded on Sunday, mm-hmm. which... I was. I, he, I thought I had a winner. That I was like, and, oh, I got to beat Phil. And he, I'm, can, I'm and in, he continued to play good golf. At least yeah. he was T4 at the U.S. Open there at Torrey Pines and then at a fifth the next week at the Travelers. But yeah. you've just seen a lot of erratic form out of him. Like he, I, When I look at all my stat categories and I look at approach or I look at strokes gain off the tee or proximity to the hole from 175 to 200, which most of your second shots are going to be this week, especially on those par fives, the two par fives and the long par fours, and he just didn't really pop on any of them. I don't even know. And I must have put like 10 stats in my column. You could still get, by the way, at vcin.com and also in Point Spread Weekly if you're a subscriber. And I just didn't see anything that really stood out statistically. And now sometimes it won't stand out in terms of the stats or in terms of the models. But uh, I'm going to take a shot and I'm going to take a stand against him. I may pay the price. And I know he's always that guy you got to be looking out for. But Big game hunter. Not, not for me this week. <laughs> Um, who is for you in the medium range? Because we talked about Xander Shoffley. Will Zalatoris is always popular. Those are two, I, I, by the way, the, that are on my card. So say, we covered yeah, those. Yeah, Zalatoris is, I'm on the FOMO kick with him. So I'm just going to keep betting him until he eventually wins. So well, well, why not? If, yeah. if you look at the majors, because look, I don't like to bet a guy to win his first ever tournament on the, the tour at a major, especially the U.S. Open. But I found 30 to 1 was kind of my threshold. I found yeah. that earlier in the week. But you look at what he's done in the majors. 
sixth at the 2020 U.S. Open, second at the 2021 Masters, eighth at the 2021 PGA, did miss the cut last year at the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines, then had to withdraw due to injury, uh, had, I believe, an elbow injury for the Open Championship. But so far this year, sixth at the Masters, second at the PGA, lost that playoff to Justin Thomas. And, you know, he's shown some resiliency because the week after he missed the cut at Colonial, obviously you got some scar tissue, you were as close as you could be to win a major, didn't get it done. But then the following week, his last start leading into this week's U.S. Open, T5 at the Memorial. So, Will Salatoris, uh, you know, I, I couldn't resist here. And because yeah. it's almost as going to be like you get the FOMO, the fear of missing out, mm -hmm. and you're not going to be on him. You bet him so many darn times. You know, I know I was talking to Scott Seidenberg, who's going to be after us here on VEASAN with the look ahead. And he yep. was on Will Salatoris as well. It's like you can't quit him because you know when you miss out on him, that's when he's going to get it done. So Salatoris did make my card. You talk about mid-range guys. I did have a little, and I bet it before this week, but Matt Fitzpatrick, who does have a win on this golf mm -hmm. course, actually the 2013 U.S. Amateur, and speaking of a guy who's never won in America, stateside at least as a professional, that's Matt Fitzpatrick, several times on the European, now DP World Tour, but this is a guy, you look at him, and he fits a U.S. Open. He's never a guy that's going to win a birdie fest where you got to shoot 25 under. He's just not that kind of player. Yeah. You know, doesn't, all, doesn't always hit it as long, but... As a guy that avoids bogeys, and if you're looking for a stat model category to maybe add this week that you might not have thought about, bogey avoidance, number one in the field, grinds out pars, makes very few mistakes. And speaking of bogey avoidance, the guy that's number two behind him through the last 36 rounds, Shane Lowry, 35-1. to one. I was on Shane at the Masters. He was T3, kind of fell off a little bit Saturday, but a nice rally on Sunday. Top 10 last week in Canada. Uh, a runner-up already at the Honda, two top threes, as I mentioned. This is a guy that also could have won a U.S. Open back in 2016. If you remember at Oakmont, he had to finish on Sunday morning when uh, weather delays were there yeah. at Oakmont, and he had a four-shot lead going into the final round. He ended up finishing second behind Dustin Johnson uh, when DJ got his first major. But Shane Lowry, I think, has major championship pedigree. Tony Finau, who is right in that same range in the high 30s. Where I just now. Where he be now, and where he was was on the first page of the leaderboard, at least heading into Sunday. He was at the top, uh, played in that final pairing with Rory. Now, he lost by two shots, but he shot 62-64 on the weekend. Like, he didn't lose it. Rory won it. And three top fives in, or in his last five events. Remember, he started the year. He was miserable. He was like nowhere. It's like, what is going on with this guy? But he's starting to get some confidence. And I think that he could be a guy that could show out this week, obviously. Still looking for that breakthrough, like, major championship. Like, he's a star of the game. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you need that real big one to prove it. Could be this week. And then Sun JM, I actually bet it 66-1 to last week. 40-ish, 40 45-ish, I think is what you're seeing in the market right now. I still think that's worth it. Uh, world number 22 was top 10 at the Memorial, gained strokes in all four major categories. Really good with the driver. I think he's ninth uh, for the year in total driving. Has gained two and a half strokes off the tee in four straight tarts. So he's a guy not super long, longer than average, but hits a dead straight, is very accurate. So that's going to put him in position. And bogey avoidance, strokes gained around the green, Obviously very good. What about somebody like a Max Homa? I have him on my card. Some people might be asking about him. He won the Wells Fargo earlier this year, 45-1 wow. at DraftKings here. He seems like he's 
I don't know if he has mm-hmm. major mm-hmm. potential, but he seems like he's a guy that's well, stacking some wins no. and could break through at him. Well, that's a good point by you because there might be some correlation to what we saw with the Wells Fargo. That was played this year, by the way, at TPC Matomic just in, the, D- in the D.C. Too. area. Yeah, absolutely. It felt like a U.S. Open. And you go back to that event that he won, I believe, uh, I think it was the uh, first or second weekend in May, and he was right up there first. Matt Fitzpatrick, by the way, who I yep. mentioned, was right behind him. Keegan Bradley. A lot of people liking Bradley as a long shot because he's a New Englander. Uh, was born in New Hampshire. All the Boston teams he's a supporter of. So kind of a home game for Bradley. Cameron Young, by the way, was T-second in that event. Rory McElroy was fifth. So that's why you're seeing those guys get a lot of support. I think you could have some course correlation this week with TPC Potomac and the Country Club. Yeah, it's. I really cannot wait for this to get underway tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. I will be up bright and early, uh, not just because I have to tape a podcast, but also to do some U.S. Open watching because this is going to be a lot of fun. On the other side, I want to ask you about some matchups that will also preview ahead the NBA Finals and tomorrow's card in the major. And still on no-no alert at Dodger Stadium. Still on no-no alert. Is, is Anderson, is he still in? He's still in the game. Yep, he's still in the game. Seven and two-thirds. So we'll see if he can get that done here on the other side. Final segment coming up next. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back to the final segment of the Nightcap coming to you from the VSIN studios in the Circle Resort and Casino. Femi Bebefe alongside Wes Reynolds. We are still on No No Watch. For Tyler Anderson of the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Dodgers lead the Angels 4-0. Now in the bottom of the eighth, Anderson is through eight, has struck out seven, walked mm-hmm. two batters. Uh, one of the hits was yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so two bases on ball. But um, yeah, 117 pitches. Do we see him for the ninth West? We shall see. By the way, we are in the bottom of the eighth, still 4-0 Dodgers. Uh, it would be Trout, Otani, and Matt Duffy would be the three batters that he would have to face. unless drama. Unless they are pinch hit for, which I, I wouldn't see necessarily. <laughs> Obviously, Phil Nevin, the new manager, trying to win as many games as he can. Hadn't won a lot now yeah. that the Angels are five games under uh, 500. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. But, you know, maybe with this guy, because Tyler Anderson, we were talking about that during the break. This is probably not a guy that's going to be one of your playoff pitchers. When you look at who your starting rotation is in a seven-game series, obviously Kershaw is going to be there. 
Walker Bueller, Julio Urias, the guy that's been the best pitcher on the staff this year, 8-0, Tony Gonsolin at only a 142 ERA. So the Dodgers have some depth there. So Tyler Anderson is essentially like your fifth starter. And then you've got guys that you can bring in, you know, maybe as a spot starter instead. But I think maybe Dave Roberts, I know the pitching coach went out there and uh, Tyler Anderson was like, you know, hey, back off. And he was like, okay, you know, see ya. (laughs) But uh, uh, we'll see how quickly this inning gets done. Uh, It may have to extend over to the look ahead with Scott Seinberg, who follows us on VEASAN. So uh, he'll he'll have the uh, discussion and maybe have his opinion on if uh, Dave Roberts does not necessarily sit him back out. But I don't see the jacket on in the dugout. So. Yeah, I think they're going to give it a look, and then, uh, you know, if Trout pieces him up for a single or a double, okay, dude, hit the showers. Get the hell out of here. You've done good, kid. Uh, Fantastic outing, though, nonetheless. Like we mentioned, seven strikeouts, eight innings pitched for one Tyler Anderson. Um, Back to the U.S. Open, though. I know you had a long shot because I know the the viewers, the listeners, they love the long shots. They like that Mm -hmm. lottery aspect Mm -hmm. of betting on 101 somebody to win a major or to win a golf tournament, but... Who was the guy that you were eyeing in that long shot? Right? Yeah, this guy quite didn't quite a hundred to one, but I got him at eighty nine to one right here at Circus Sports, and that is Tommy Fleetwood, who you know was kind of a guy that you thought was destined for stardom here a few years ago. It's like okay, this is when he's going to win a major. He's going to win it on his home course at Royal Portrush for the Open. Ended up losing to Shane Lowry by a shot. It was pretty much a two-man race. And Tommy Fleetwood, you see him, he's kind of drifted down to about number 40 in the world in the world golf rankings. This was a guy at the end of 2019 that was 10th in the world. Top 10 player and, you know, just hasn't really won since. Didn't win in 2020, didn't win in 2021, hadn't won yet this year. But if you look at some of the recent form coming in, Tied for four, tied for 16th at the Valspar, and then uh, three weeks later, T14 at the Masters, T10 at the RBC, then had another finish where he made the cut kind of down the board, but T5 at the PGA, T10 at the Porsche European Open over in Germany that he went and played a couple weeks ago. So this is a guy that is starting to kind of put it together a little bit. And one of the things I liked about him, and I don't often model this in terms of like a stat model for a general tour event on week to week, but one thing I did put in was total strokes gained in terms of very tough scoring conditions. Mm-hmm. And Tommy Fleetwood has shown he can do that in a U.S. Open. Remember, he finished runner-up to Brooks Kepka. So this is a guy, if you look at kind of his pattern over the years, he's been a guy that's been very close, I think, in, in some of these majors. Second at the 2018 U.S. Open, second at the Open Championship in 2019, fifth at Southern Hills, had a nice Sunday round, three under to get himself in the top five, fourth at the 2017 U.S. Open. So... Tommy Fleetwood, I think, is a guy that you want to at least look at this week because I think he's he'll he'll scramble around the greens, and that's I think kind of a strength of his game. Very good swing, very good iron player, even though it hasn't shown in the stats this week. But this is a guy a little bit down the board that I think is going to be there perhaps on Sunday. You know, the cool thing about betting golf tournaments is that you don't just have to bet on whoever's going to win the tournament. You can bet yeah. derivatives, top five, Absolutely. top ten, top 20s. Also matchups. We have a number of matchups here courtesy of DraftKings. Justin Thomas versus Rory McIlroy. It's minus 110 each way. Rom and Scheffler. Rom is minus 120. Scheffler, even money. You get Xander and Cantlay. X is minus 120. Cantlay, even money. There's Zalatoris Finau, DJ Berger, 
Fitzpatrick Morikawa. Which of these matchups stands out to you the most? Well, one that I did play. Now, I played it at a better number at minus 105 earlier this week. I did go against Scotty Scheffler. And it's not that I think he's going to be bad or anything. He's the number one player in the world. He's never too far from winning. And he was the runner-up at Colonial a couple weeks ago. But other than that... He's been a little bit down on his form from the Masters, and that only is natural considering yeah. the, the guy fact. won four times in 50 yeah, days. Yeah, <laughs> considering you win the Masters, and then, you know, you got to do the media and all that stuff, and your world has changed. Your life has changed. So, you know, that's why I think you've seen a little bit of a, at least a slight decline. It's not like he's played bad, but I do like Rom this week, so I like him a little better. Uh, the Patrick Cantlay-Xander Shoffley matchup. I haven't played this. I got to do a little bit more digging after the show, but apparently I think this was reported on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio, and Carl Paulson from that network joined myself and Dave Ross on Lombardi Line earlier this week. That network reported that Patrick Cantlay's missed a couple per, uh, practice rounds for personal reasons, so I'm wondering, and I'm kind of trying to look at the market here and seeing if we're getting Patrick Cantlay to be faded because I said earlier this week, the one guy that's on my card that I feel like may burn me not playing him is Patrick Cantlay because I do think that he had drifted a little bit too much because everybody remembers the PGA and there were a lot of people that liked him and he burned him yep. and he missed the cut and he missed it badly. Yeah. wasn't like he just it missed it by one close. shot. I think he was like 11. <laughs> he was double digits over bar. Yeah. He was way down. And Patrick Cantlay, you look at his career, that's the one thing that really eludes him. He is the number four player in the world. He's a big-time talent. And I think eventually you feel like it's only a matter of time before Patrick Cantlay wins a major championship. But this is a guy that's only got one top five finish in 21 major championship starts. That was a T3 back at the 2019 Masters. So He was in the lead on the yeah, back nine at you, one point. You want to see him do it. And, and usually with guys you know that eventually win majors – you sometimes you need that scar tissue and you need to get close one or two times and have that pain of a major championship. Like we were talking about with Will Zalatoris where he was right there, you know, and ended up, you know, when everybody around him fell off, when Mito Pereira fell off, Matt Fitzpatrick and Cam Young. And then it was him against Justin Thomas who came from seven back to go ahead and eventually win the thing. So now Zalatoris has that scar tissue and it's like, maybe that made him a little bit tougher. You know, he's, so. he's, he's not a very big kid. I mean, he's got the physique of a, what was that caddy in Happy Gilmore at yep. the Waterbury Open with that blonde <laughs> hair, you know, and like shaking him, you know, and knocking him down when he steals the bag. But, you know, don't don't be fooled by his uh, slight frame. He's a, he's a tough guy, and I think he'll show his toughness here this week. So in terms of the matchups, the only one I played on that list is Rom over Scheffler. I know Morikawa is getting oh. faded, and uh, speaking of fading, that's the uh, that's the no hit bid, by the way, of Tyler <laughs> Anderson, who who struck out Mike Trout, yeah, and eight and eight and a third Shohei Otani, the Shohei game? show. Oh, oh no. that <laughs> that is the only time Shohei, by the way, gets a triple off of him. You know, everybody says, "Oh, this guy's not popular in baseball," and every time I see videos of people at the ballpark, they go nuts for the guy. So Shohei, Shohei turned heel, though. He's the ultimate baby face, but he's the heel tonight, especially in Dodger Stadium. And now here comes Dave Roberts to, uh, outing, though, to uh, bat Tyler Anderson on the backside here. Great outing, 123 pitches, went no-no, eight in a third inning, but Shohei Otani breaks it up here. So now uh, man on third, one out, Dodgers still up 4-0. Um, real quick, though, NBA Finals tomorrow night, game six. We'll be here sweating that one out live 
Uh, the Celtics four-point favorites there. The favorite outcome is to extend this thing to seven, which we're all rooting for, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the total sitting at 210. What are your thoughts on this one here? Yeah, if it gets a little bit under 210, I think I'm going to play the over. And I mentioned that just briefly in our discussion with Chris Andrews at the top of the hour. Seven of the last 10 game sixes in the NBA Finals have gone over the total. I believe that dates back. I'm trying to recall that to the 0405 season. So that has happened, and Golden State has been an over team on the road. I think uh, going back to 2014-2015, and 12-3 over in road elimination games. But look, I always say, don't make the trend your friend. Make it your acquaintance sometimes. But, you know, there is logic, at least, to those trends. Like, don't just play trends just to play trends, but there's logic with them. And I think because this is a game six, you've seen a couple others. Keep in mind, last Friday in game three, the closing number was 214. And you're about to get four and a half or five points lower of that when these numbers are razor tight, when you're only down to two teams and you got basically one game on the NBA betting card. I think there's some value on the over tomorrow night. I'm going to wait to see if it dips, though, a little bit That'd more. It would be a fun sweat if we're out here rooting for points Yes, on the show. That'd yes. Be a fun sweat and usually I'm an underbacker, but I, <laughs> but I can tell you I understand why people bet overs because it is more fun to root for points because unders, they're the right bets to make more often than not. But that's why you see uh, me with very limited hair, because I bet more unders than overs. Getting there as well. Uh, that does it for the show here uh, this evening. Thank you to Nick Whalen, NBA editor over at Rotowire. Thank you to Chris Andrews, oddsmaker at the South Point Hotel and Casino. For Wes Reynolds, I'm Femi Bebefe. Our entire crew here at the Circa. Coming up next, the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg here on v the Sports Betting Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.